Pam, my wife and I, we live in Liverpool. We've known Owen. Let's not count it too long. And uh, he, you know, he led, stayed with us for about six, seven months, maybe longer at one time. No, we didn't throw him out. He's a great person to have around the house. And uh, so we, we've linked up with Owen again, uh, having lost contact, not through any particular deliberate purpose, but, it, you know, things go. And uh, so we're back on board. We've uh, linked up with Owen back in the summer and we're back on board and it's great. It's wonderful. And uh, much of my ministry now is itinerant and uh, I don't have pastoral charge in a church. Um, Pam and I go to Go Church in Salford, which used to be World Harvest Bible Church. Um, and we've been there from the very beginning, which was 1996, 97. And uh, we've been on board ever since, but know that we are coming to the end of a journey. And it's time to move on. Um, back in nine, uh, 2020, um, I had emergency surgery and I was totally out of it for four or five days. And Pam's eldest son, Dave, said, that's it, finished. You are coming to live near us so that we can, uh, we can keep an eye on you. And uh, so the, the, this is what we've been attempting to do since last summer, but uh, things haven't worked out, so we're still working towards that way. The amazing thing is your family say we need you near us so that we can keep an eye on you and look after you. Uh, they've got four kids, a dog and an allotment, and neither of them are gardeners, so work it out for yourself. But, uh, yeah, it's great. I, I love this, this side of the pulpit. Uh, not because I like the sound of my own voice. It's just that I love getting in the Word and I love delivering the Word. And, uh, yeah, there, there's, something, there's something about dealing with God's Word that puts you in a state of awe over the presence of God. And the last time, last month, I, I dealt with the power of your words. I want to continue with that this morning because it is crucial in the, to the way that God's people grow and minister not only to each other, but also uh, in, in the community in which they find themselves. I love the title of this church. Uh, Kent Street Community Church. What is it about churches that very often they have to be hidden away in the middle of an industrial estate? You know, the church is part of the community. Come on, we've got to be part of the community of God's people because that is where we minister. And I want to continue. Let me recap over what I did last year. Remember the, let me read the, the text, the main text, which is Matthew chapter, chapter 12, 34 to 37. 
Uh, let's go back to 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak evil? Speak what is good, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. In other words, you speak whatever your heart is attached to. Let's read on. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Uh, every careless word, that word careless, careless, the Greek word is, wait for it, argos. Okay, got it? And it means unprofitable. It means it doesn't, it doesn't bear fruit at all. The way I see Argos, they're doing quite well, thank you very much. But I do question sometimes where they got that name from, because it means careless. Let's continue. So you speak whatever your heart is attached to. In other words, what people are hearing when you open your mouth, they are hearing what is in your heart, what your very life, the core of your life is attached to. If, you're, if, you're atta if the core of your heart is attached to the Lord, you're going to speak words of life. In whatever situation, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in the family, whether you're a guest in somebody's home, whether you're in the, in the community, they are going to hear words of life. I'm very careful when I, when I am preparing to make sure that what comes out are words of life. Even words of correction are words of life. Words of encouragement are words of life. And this is where we have to be so careful as God's people. Because if we cannot love one another, which is what Jesus said, and remember, this is the hallmark, the trademark of the church, by this shall all, all men know you are my disciples, said Jesus. That you have love one for another. You can't come to church. You, you can't come to church on a Sunday morning and don't want to sit by the guy in the back row because you can't stand the sight of him. That's bad fruit. That's, that's a living death virtually. Um, so you've got to watch your words. Watch what you say. Not only to the people around you, but also over yourself. It is vital that we speak words of life over ourselves. How about this one? My arthritis is killing me. You heard that one? The two mistakes that you've made there. Number one, you've taken ownership of an illness. And God never intended for his people to take ownership of illness over their lives. Secondly, you pronounce a death sentence over yourself. My arthritis is killing me. Let me tell you something. 
You speak to your body long enough in the same language, it will listen to you and it will obey you. That's why I'm careful to speak life over my body, over Pam's life, over Pam's body, and anybody who's in our house. So let's see where we're going today. Remember, there is a bond between faith and your words. What you speak either comes out of your heart in faith or it comes out of your heart in... Yeah, I'm going to say it. It comes out of your heart in a living death. They're the two choices. Be careful. Uh, faith comes from hearing the message. We heard that this morning. We heard it last night. It doesn't matter that you're going to hear it again because we are reinforcing the word into our lives. We are building up. Uh, if a builder is building a house, the first thing he does, he puts the chimney up. No, he doesn't. He makes sure there is a firm foundation. And when Jesus was dealing with his disciples, and when they went on to, to, to begin the process of building the church, it was built on a foundation that the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, the Director General of the church, who also happens to be our King and our Redeemer, he laid the foundation. The Word of God is our foundation. And therefore, that is the point from which we build. We lay the foundation first. Then we put the walls up. Then we put a door in. Then we put windows in. So on and so forth. The luxuries of central heating, air conditioning, they, they come last. You know, they can be done later. The only difference is that when you're building a new house, you can hide everything. You can put the pipes behind a conduit. But basically, you get the foundation right first. Jesus has laid the foundation of the church. Therefore, it is from that foundation that we start speaking. Watch your words. The words that come out of you need to be words of life. Words of love are words of life. Words of encouragement are words of life. Uh, faith affects your words, and your words affect your faith. Well, I don't believe that part of God's word. You're affecting your faith. You're starting to dismantle your faith. Or if, as we heard before in the last session, you take hold of what the Word of God is saying, you grab hold of it, and you put it inside your heart, you let it complete the longest journey in the world, which is from there down to there. It takes time sometimes. Yes, we can process it with our minds, but to get it within the context of what God's Word has said, whether it's by reading it or whether it's by uh, hearing it from somebody else, it takes time to process and get it down into your spirit. Yet, there are some things that come across us and immediately we've got a lick. 
immediately we've got something that hits us and drops straight down in our spirit, and immediately our spirit is quickened and our lives are changed, our, changed, our faith is built up. Did you know that we retain 10% of what we hear? Here's some statistics. 10% uh, of what we hear, 20% of what we read, 80% of what we see. Now, a guy called Edgar Dale has broken that down, and he's enlarged it. And this is what he says. We, we retain 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss with others. You're in conversation with people. You retain 70% of it. 80% of what we personally experience. 95% of what we teach others. Let me tell you something about us two and people like us. When we teach, we learn. Understand that? If we don't learn from our own teaching, then we might as well close our book, go out through that door, and never bother again. And if you take notes, if you have some method of recording, then you can enhance those tables. Under the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit has full sway, and when he is anointing his people, your reception becomes 100%. Okay? That's the miracle that God can do in our hearts and in our lives. You can have what you say. That's a famous saying. You can have what you say in terms of faith. But let me warn you, it works both ways. Let's go back to my arthritis is killing me. That's tearing things down the wrong way. In Mark 5, 21, the woman with the issue of blood kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, if I can reach out and touch his garment, if I can reach out and touch his garment, now, the woman was virtually housebound, housebound by the legalities of, uh, of the Jewish law, housebound by her condition. It was a struggle for her to get from her front door down the garden path, if she had one, to where Jesus was ministering, and then she had to fight her way through the, the crowd. But so powerful were the words that she was speaking, it strengthened her to go on and go on and push through. And beloved, sometimes there are occasions when we have to fight and push through situations. There are things that we, that occasionally there are things that we don't understand what God is doing, but we have to push through anyway. We have to push through until we get the victory. But watch your words all the time. Always make sure you're speaking words of life. Jesus, in Mark 11, 22 to 25, in those verses he said, when you stand praying, forgive. That's a big one, isn't it? 
that are two things that cripple the church. Unforgiveness and people walking in offense. You got it? Uh, people walking in offense. And it's so easy to slip into offense. Just because you're a, wo a man or woman of faith, it doesn't mean to say there are no stumbling blocks. You have to watch out for them. You know, uh, if, if, if Pam, Pam drives the car when I'm ministering, and uh, uh, if, if we are going along the road, uh, you come to a traffic island, you don't go across it, you go around it, you keep in your lane, you know, that the only thing that puzzles Pam with coming here is that big roundabout you, you've got just down the road. Uh, she hates it. I said, just follow the directions. She said, there are no signposts. I said, they're on the road. Follow the directions. Follow your road number. Luke 9, chapter, uh, verse 54. When the disciples, James and John, heard of it, they said, Master, oh, this is a classic. This is the message way of putting it, and I love it. When the disciples, James and John, heard of it, they said, Master, do you want us to call a bolt of lightning down out of the sky and incinerate them? That's the way we speak sometimes. Come on, that's the way we hear people speaking. And it's totally off course. You know, if you're, not, if you're not going to be careful with your words, you're going to land yourself in trouble. Yeah, okay, Father, let's call a bolt of lightning down. Let's get rid of these people. Let's destroy this building and start again afresh. Why? Are you afraid that the God of redemption cannot redeem that situation through your words, through your ministry? After all, you speak words of life. We're living in days where there is a spirit of heaviness. And we're coming to a different subject for another occasion. But I just want to say this. There is a spirit of heaviness. And it is a spiritual. Look, we are at war. Come on. We are at war. It's a spiritual battle at this moment in time. Why? Because time is accelerating. There's a, a verse in... Uh, that there is a verse in the Old Testament that talks about an acceleration of knowledge. When I was a kid, we didn't know what the sound barrier was. The first British plane, believe it or not, to go through the sound barrier was a Spitfire. No, it didn't go under its power. The pilot took it up as high as he could go and he dropped. And he went through the sound barrier. Nearly wrecked the plane. But the, but the lessons that were learned enabled them to bring big, uh, to make bigger, better, stronger, more powerful planes that could go through the sound barrier. What's happened in all those years? From the 1950s when I left school and started work. And... You know, you, you, you saw things then, 
And you think, well, how is all this going to come to pass? But come to pass it has. The devil and company, yeah, the devil and all his cohorts, they are pushing their agenda to get it ahead of God. Now, this is where we come in. Because if we're listening to the Spirit of God, then we stand our ground, we pray, we get rid of the devil. No, not permanently, but we tell him, yes, <coughs> leave this place, leave this place now in the name of Jesus. We forget the power that we have in that name. And Jesus gave us authority to use his name. Jesus told the disciples, there is a time coming when you won't ask me for anything, but you will ask the Father in my name. That's giving authority. Come on, you use, you use the name of Jesus. If a father has a credit card account, and having weighed up the, the risks of doing things, he says to his son or daughter, I've got a credit card with your name on it. It's on my account. You can use it, but use it wisely. That person can go out into a shop. It's on the authority of their father. They have a greater name behind them. Uh, organizing that account, they can buy they can do, do whatever needs to be done. We're at the stage where we can no longer mess around. We can no longer play church. We have to get back to Scripture basics and be the church that God designed us to be. Okay? The church is composed, I, I, I don't know how many people are here, I was talking to Justin yesterday, and he said on average you can get 35 here. Let's say that's the total membership of this church, 35 people. But it's 35 individuals walking, and families walking and moving in different directions. So God is spreading his power, he is spreading his authority, so people can speak with that authority and accomplish his purposes. But in this day and age, as I said, with, the, with this spirit of heaviness, it is more, most important that we speak words of life into the situation. Consider your own street where you live. Just think about it for the minute. Okay, let's have a bit of feedback. What sort of street do you live in? What sort of people are there? Come on, let's have some feet. Godless. Godless. Okay, right, you've got it. Godless. Now, you've, you've come to that conclusion through observation, listening to what Father is saying, he has given you a confirmation, yes, there are godless people and there are millions of streets in this nation, let alone the rest of the world, that are full of streets that are totally or partly 
godless. And it's up to us. We have the responsibility. So if you live in a godless street, if you live in a street where families are arguing and fighting amongst each other, if you live in a street where two families are fighting, then do some prayer walking. Just do some prayer walking and pray the Spirit of God into that street. Remember the words of Jesus, the prayer that he taught us. No, it's, it's not a prayer in itself. It is basic principles for praying. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this street, in that house, in that family, speaking words of life. Proverbs 12, verse 18, tells us, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How many wise people are here this morning? Well, there's one here. I've got my hand up. Yes, come on. And I'm talking about people who are full of the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Because that is pure wisdom. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Did you know that this thing here is a killer? It's a lethal weapon. Or it can be an uplifting force, a source of comfort, a source of, yeah, a source of comfort, a source of encouragement, a source of instruction. Listen, those of you who are parents, you... You took your kids aside and you taught them. If one of your kids got too close to the fire, gas, electric, coal, whatever, if you saw them getting too close to the fire, you took them aside and you taught them about the dangers. You were being positive. It was a warning. Don't go too near the fire. Okay, fine. And then, of course, within families, you get families in, in dispute. Uh, I can remember when I was young, and I only ever did it once, I back-chatted my mother. Oh, boy. Edith Frances May was a force to be reckoned with if you tried to answer her back. Only ever did it once. She said, young man, watch your words. That was after the clip on the year. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love my mum and I love my dad. They brought us up. They straightened us out when we needed to be straightened out. They spoke words of discipline, but they also spoke words of encouragement that caused, caused us to grow emotionally. Uh, my parents had a simple faith. Uh, when my mum was on her deathbed, my brother and I were there, and uh, his pastor came in. And he said, are they saved? And Ray said, he's 14 years younger than me. He said, I don't know. I said, they've got a simple faith. They've always talked about their simple faith. Anything deeper was always the shutters up. Okay, he said, you two out. Okay. And as we went out through the door, we saw my sister coming down the, the corridor. 
pastor came out. Five minutes later, he said, they're saved. Wow. Great. Wonderful. And that's it. I know I'm going to see my parents in heaven. And I knew here that they were saved. He got that confession that he needed out of them, and that was it. And when mum died, that was the end of dad. That was it. His life was finished. His Edith was gone. And there was no reason to live. And uh, it wasn't long after that my dad died. But you see, the tongue has the power of life and death. How about this one? Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk. I can't stand the sight of her. Why should I have to go to church and be with her? Or him? You know, I, I, I just... I, I, I just don't like walk. I've heard people say this. I don't even like walking down the street passing their house. I feel that bad about them. Sadly to say, some of them were God's people. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Make sure your words are worth listening to. Yet there are times when we've got to take someone aside and say, let's sit down and have a chat. And, uh, you know, I... I I, I may have told you this before, but it's worth hearing. I think of three men who were in the Pentecostal church that I used to go to in Cardiff, the city temple. Um, pastor was a great man, Percy Brewster. But uh, these three men, Mr. Dean, Mr. Cole, and Mr. Harding, in the 50s, if you were a teenager, you did not dare call anybody by their Christian name who was that much older than you. It was always Mr. or Mrs. And uh, yet you were allowed to use the term brother or sister, but nothing else. And I think of these three men. Uh, Mr. Harding lived up the road from me. And if he saw me outside the house, he would stop and he would have a chat. Look, those three men never made the history books. They were never center stage in life. But they had, they had got hold of the precious promises of God and they bred them into us, into me and people like me in the church. Youngsters of uh, 15 upwards to 20 plus. But they always had words of wisdom. If you needed straighten out, straightening out, they would straighten you out. Make no bones about it. But they had words coming straight from the heart of God himself. And it taught us how to grow and how to live and how to be in God's house amongst God's people. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Remember something, we are responsible for each other. Did you know that? We are responsible for each other. If you see somebody tripping and falling... Uh, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical, it is your job to get alongside them and pick them up and encourage them. B 
Build them up in the faith. Build them up emotionally. Build them up in your relationship with them. Oh, uh, turn to Ephesians 4, 29. Ephesians chapter 4, 29. Yes, we've had it. Uh, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Ephesians 4, 29. That causes growth. Okay? The sower went forth to sow. Someone came along until and, uh, and hold the ground. Someone else came along and watered. At the end of the day, it was God who gave the increase. You put yourself in a situation where you're causing that person to grow. So that by the time your conversation has ended, be it 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever, that person feels as though they've been stretched and their stature has gone up. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Restoration. Nothing quite like being involved in the process of bringing two people together who have been estranged for years. Doesn't matter whether it's a married couple or whether it's part of a family, a group of friends, things happen. And to be in that situation where you're an instrument of Father, but you watch your words. You're listening for everything that he is telling you so that it comes out through your mouth. Your tongue ceases to be the weapon. It is now under control. And the only person that can bring your tongue under control is the Holy Spirit. It is the Word of God, and it's you leading uh, uh, it's you leaning on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, listening to what they're saying and acting accordingly. Ephesians 4.29 causes growth. People growing, people being restored. Amen. You got something out of this this morning? Amen. Uh, that's it. I'm done. It's time. It's almost time for the next session. Thank you for listening. Just watch your words. Now, one of the problems...